Wait. An idiot. <laughs> tippy toe, tippy toe, tippy toe, tippy toe. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and White White Brothers. Brothers. Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Well, Tom, here we are uh, after week two of the 2020 Penn State football season and... uh, there's a lot of twos and O's this season, and unfortunately for us, going into week three, those O and two are in the wrong order. There's also a couple of no's, as in no shave November. Happy November, everybody. Hey, yeah. I'm, I'm working I'm on... Get, I'm getting I'm work, my beard on. I'm working on mine. Uh, you know, I... I I got uh, got my beard down to like mid chestal region and um, pr- ready ready for my no shave November. Andy, you got to play catch up because uh, looking looking at your m- measly meager beard, it, it leaves a lot to be desired. Andy, I'm not gonna lie. I feel pretty good. I've been working on this for just one month, and uh, already people are not recognizing me uh, around around town. So I feel good about that. Yeah, you gotta you gotta live up to the standard that is the logo of your face on the uh, <laughs> on the podcast uh, logo. So and I'm you, a right seasonal. Now, you, you're not there. <laughs> I'm a seasonal beard guy. Uh, I don't I don't like having the beard in the summer. It gets just the face is too hot and sweaty. So yeah, I shaved over the summer, uh, but I got started early uh, last year. Uh, was a pinnacle year for me on the beard and mustache. I went full walrus, which I got to say, Eileen did not appreciate. Your wife, of, Eileen, not, yes, not a fan in terms of the of... <laughs> bristle, the bristle brush that hangs off of your upper lip. <laughs> it was more, more. The, it actually doesn't hang. It, it actually juts out. It's true. It's straight it's out. Things you, would, <laughs> things you wouldn't know. Defying gravity with a mustache. It's impressive. Uh, and the uh, physics I, are that of which we don't understand fully. <laughs> it wasn't so much the aesthetics that she minded as as the tactile sensation. Uh, so <laughs> just to be to be real. Tactile um, sensation, phrase uh, of the day. <laughs> <laughs> we should work that in somewhere else. All right, so now listen. for our tactile sensation segment. <laughs> so listen, uh, we are friends. We're going to talk to you today about Ohio State. We're going to get through it somehow. Uh, we uh, I'd, gotta... like to, I'd like to propose something actually before sure. we before we potentially talk about Ohio State. What if we just decided to wipe the slate clean and just say, "Hey, this is November. All right, let's talk about November only. We're O and O right now. We're looking to go undefeated in November." <laughs> I think that's a great place to start, but you just basically wiped out our whole podcast discussion plan. It might be better for our <laughs> sanity and our emotional status, or or tactile. Uh, emotional status. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so we we got to talk about it. Yeah, State. we'll talk about it. It's the the it'll be somewhat cathartic, hopefully for us as well as for anyone else who's still listening. By the way, our listenership dropped off significantly after the first week loss, and I think it has more to do with the result of the game than us. But you know, I could you know, be wrong. Well, no, I, you know, it's funny. You know, you and I decided to start a podcast and. And we went from, oh my gosh, we're not going to be able to have a podcast this year because we're not going to have a season. And then it was like, oh crap, we're going to have a season. We need, we're going to get the podcast going. And I don't know if we really have any full blown expectations for this podcast at all. But if I'm, if I'm looking at the glass half full, 
and I'm thinking to myself, hey, um, is there such a thing as having a podcast starting with like having a great season, a mediocre season, a crappy season? Like, what are the benefits to having an 0-2 start and starting a podcast about a team that has an 0-2 start? I like, think uh, the benefit is uh, we get to figure out what we're doing with no one listening. Yeah, that's what I'm trying is. to say. Like, <laughs> oh, at least we're not making a national title run at this point, and we have no idea what we're doing, and we're sacrificing uh, the ability to capitalize on this epic season. So glass half full, like, you yeah, know, we're, we're figuring it out at the same time that this new this and team young is team figuring is figuring it out. it out with new coaches and the inability to be prepared with in-person practices all spring without having having the ability to to be together during summer camp and all you know it's just you know it's as weird for them uh, as as any team has ever had it you know and i think um you know uh yeah so not we're gonna implementing we're a new gonna... offense with new coaches is tough in a year like this so, so we're going to get into a, a little bit of the game recap uh, from Ohio State. Uh, we're going to break those waters. We're going to go and do a Maryland look ahead for sure um, uh, with, with some hope toward uh, a turning of some corners. But we're going to start. Rebellions are built on hope, Andy. <laughs> I agree. 100%. Well put. <laughs> if we're going to beat the Death Star that is Ohio State... Some year, these rebellions are built on hope. <laughs> but but before that, I thought that was pretty good. I thought that was pretty it was awesome. Uh, before that, we wanted to start with some positives and some big picture items. Okay, so Tom, what are some of your as much negative as there is in any game that you lose, as as well as any game that that turned out the way this past game did with some difficult moments to, right off the bat. There, there were some positives that we found, and for you, I'm, I'm curious, what, what are one of, or two of your big positives coming I, out of this Ohio State game? I mean, the biggest of biggest positives has to be the emergence of, you know, potential superstar Jahan Dotson. I mean, John Dotson, and, and, and I don't Jahan Dotson for mayor. I don't is, think. Is, what I'm yeah, going for. sure, but for president. Han Dotson point. for president. President. For that I mean, I mean, I'll vote for him. I'll vote I would. for him. I'll vote after for him. after Saturday's game, yes, I would. I mean, this is a this is a junior who you know has made some splashy plays last year, um, and he was our known quantity coming into the season at wide at the wide receiver position. And I'll say, I was <clears throat> I was a little tepid in my support for him you know I, I just didn't see him as being well he was overshadowed the, the, by kj hamler and I, I didn't see him being a game breaker he made you know, some big time catches last i just year, though. saw him but, i understand but, but i was just i saw him as just being a solid receiver well guess what but, you're not looking at him like that anymore no i am not because you know what he did <laughs> i saw what he did well what he did andy what he, did he is do he Tom? had eight catches for 144 yards and three touchdowns i mean to average 18 yards per catch. Wow. Okay, listen. So <laughs> not only that, uh, he did it against Ohio State and their best cover corner, which is a cover corner that could that did at one point opt out and would have is going to be, I mean, in all likelihood will still be a first round draft pick and he's an all-American. Sean Sean Wade, he's he's all world for them. He's Everybody talks all the best things about Sean Wade, and and rightly so, as he's he's proven it. But you know, when he was going up against um, against Jahan Dotson on Saturday, 
Jahan Dotson got the better of him several times, and in oh, yeah. some of the most like incredible one handed falling to the ground, catch it against your helmet. I haven't seen highlight real catches like that in a long time. I mean, Jawan Johnson, which, by the way, got his first catch in the NFL yesterday with the Saints. Um, Jawan Johnson has has made a couple of really incredible catches, um, you know, and those were fewer and further between in his career. And not nearly as as consequential other than maybe the Iowa catch. Yeah, the walk-off Iowa. He did catch an amazing one against Ohio State two years ago. Um, and, but it, you know, ultimately didn't matter since we lost, but here, here's my experience of that game, you know, (laughs) in the third quarter and Eileen is sitting next to me. You're talking about, yes, you're talking about Saturday's game on Saturday. She's fallen asleep. Okay. (laughs) You're not the Uh, only, I had a Penn State fan with me fall asleep when I was. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm committed, so I'm not going to fall asleep. I was pretty tired. It was a long day. I'd done some, some, uh, yard work that day, but you know, I, I'm in it. Right. And when that, that first one-handed grab you bring your from clipboard to the game today. I did game? not bring, you bring my clipboard. clipboard. I did, didn't need a I clipboard this time. <laughs> that approach entirely. <laughs> we'll come back to that another season. <laughs> I guess maybe. Yeah, but nonetheless, I, I I was I was sitting there and watching the game, and you know, John goes up and he one hands it and pins it against his helmet and comes down with it, and I just like let out this whoa. You same. Know, oh, same. Like and like it, it wasn't like a yes. Like great catch! It was like a whoa! I'm I'm you know, and Eileen woke up. She's like, "What? What happened?" It's like, you know, it's just this amazing like moment. And at the time, it was it was consequential. We were like, we were we weren't so far out of the game that these plays didn't matter. Well, and then he had the was it the very next play that he had the touchdown catch right right back Uh, another one hander. um, What was just as amazing a catch and. yeah, that was that put us within one score. It's like the whole game sort was of turned. Was within eight points. It was. I'm. I'm got to look I, it up right I, now. I, the game I, flow, I but I'm pretty sure it put us points? within. I'm pretty sure it put us within one score. You might be right. It might be the only time we were within eight points, but I, I, I'm, I can't recall at this point. I had a couple of beverages, and it was later yeah, in, in the, the third day. quarter after that 14 yard uh, touchdown catch. Uh, it was 21 to 13. 20, oh, 21 13. Okay. 21 13. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, cool. Yeah, so th- that those plays matter. That put us that put us in it. But you know, it was a one and, score game but, at that point. And unfortunately, and I'm not trying well, to. Well, we'll talk this, about we'll yeah. talk about the the you know how Ohio State took the ball out. back and then went right but, down the field but and scored. We're and on positives right now. <laughs> okay. And positives. I'm positive that's what happened. Jahan Dotson. And those two <laughs> catches, by the way, were just two of of a really incredible day which you already mentioned for Jahan. Um I you know I will have to look it up but I don't know if I don't know if KJ ever had 144 yards. I don't game. think he ever had three touchdowns in a game either. And yeah, by that's the, way, the other thing, three the way, touchdowns. Yeah. Three all of Clifford's touchdowns were two, When was Jahan. the last time we had a wide receiver have three touchdowns? Not just KJ. Like well, who's the last wide receiver that I mean probably like Chris Godwin or something like that. So that that leads me to one Maybe of my positives. That leads me to one of my positives, uh, which is related to this, is the second half. Uh, In general, for Penn State, against Ohio State, we played toe-to-toe with them. And in fact... We beat them. In the second half... We we outscored them them in the second half. We outscored them in the second half. 
Um, you know, we we held them in some critical spots. Obviously, not enough to win the game. Uh, we our offense got going. You know, uh, Parker Washington, by the way, had four catches for seventy three yards. Yeah, I was going to bring him up next. Was he? So, uh, yeah, for so our, something Washington. something got got going for us in the second half. Uh, we ended up outscoring them twenty one to seventeen in the second half, and there was a sense. I, for most of the second half, up until the Clifford interception, I think that um, that Penn State was had a chance. And now it never really felt, because of the way the game started, that it was a close game. But but there was you know a dumb and dumber. So you're telling me there's a chance, kind of feeling felt that way the, a couple of times throughout the sec- most of the second half because of the way uh, the team played on both offense and defense. Yeah, I concur. The first half, if you wipe it completely off the board. We played a pretty decent game against Ohio State. The problem is that we did play the first half that we played. Um, well, so, again, so we'll so, get into that. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> the uh, the the true freshman, Parker Washington, and even you throw Keandre Lambert-Smith into the mix, you know, he had two catches for 18 yards with a long of 12. But Parker Washington, four catches, 73 yards. Um, he's an outlet. He's an outlet that that you know, a second outlet to to Jahan Dotson if he's now starting to get double covered. Um, but yeah, Pat Pat Fryermuth still had a decent game. You know, you'd like to see him get involved more, but in the second half, he he hit some of his targets. Um, I just I just don't see enough of the of the distribution to really. Yeah, I guess it's Ohio State. Like, how how much can you gripe about a team that's all world and elite like like they are? But yeah, all in all. I, well, a we promising also, second half compared to the first half. We also had some some flash splash plays um, on the defense. Uh, you know, we um, we saw Brandon Smith arrive. We did. He finally showed up to the party. He he. Whereas, you know, last week he was a total no show, which was mildly frustrating. But but um. I I'm not I, I'm trying to find his um overall. So he had tackle. five tackles, five yeah. tackles. So yeah, he was he was still a bit, you know, down the chart in terms of, of of the distribution of tackles. But he had a huge sack against Justin Fields. He yeah, blew he, him up. He it was literally like how like Justin Fields wouldn't get hit like that in any other game. Essentially, he's going to get protected and was the entire game more or less. With the exception of Antonio Shelton breaking through and getting after him, which was a great play by Antonio Shelton, and then Brandon Smith essentially like a like a slightly delayed blitz, then he um, cut back through uh, on top of the the guard and between the guard and the center, and just lit Justin Fields up, just lit him up. And I mean, I have expected this. He was untouched. To, yeah, and I have expected uh, Justin Fields to not get up off the turf, you know, and oh, that's yeah. a testament to, to Fields' toughness, of course. Ryan but... Day's face, they, they <laughs> zoomed in priceless. on him afterwards, and it was like slow-mo zoomed-in look of, of like, oh, crap. I think, like, I hope he's not dead. <laughs> like yeah, that's... it really was. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you want to see more of that, of course, both from Brandon Smith and from the defense in general. But I thought, you know, Brandon Smith was one of the guys that you and I talked about a lot uh, in the preseason and, you know, finally a great game to make an appearance and, and hopefully Brandon Smith is getting his feet wet a little bit and he'll start to make his presence known uh, more. Speaking of second halves, by the way, yeah. speaking of second halves, 
Jesse Lucada came off his um, yeah, first half suspension. Spot. Um, not suspension, but uh, he was held out for disqualified. In, or yeah, disqualified. Yeah, so he wasn't allowed to play the first half due to the illegal helmet to helmet contact um, play he had last week against Indiana in the second half, and he came out. Ready to play. He had eight tackles in the second half alone. Four solo, four assisted. He was all over the field for us, and, and it was an important piece of the puzzle for the second half. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a real because positive. They, this this um, Ohio State team ran so many plays against us. I think they ran like 80, at least 80 plays against us. I mean, at least and, 20, 25 more than we ran against them. Well, so, yeah, and that's a product of our um, – offense not being able to yeah, sustain drives neutral, right? yeah and yeah so but, but but um uh you know lamont wade had eight uh tackles so while we know he might struggle a little bit in coverage you know at least he's making tackles if he does blow he is a coverage. very sure tackler and and yeah. and that's that's more a positive less, absolutely more or less yeah jaquan I mean, brisker other safety had eight tack eight total tackles ellis brooks led the team with 11 tackles um, playing in the middle there. P.J. Mustafer as a defensive tackle in the rotation of other tackles. P.J. Mustafer had eight total tackles. So he was he was playing pretty darn well uh, from the from the defensive tackle position. Uh, Jason Owe had six tackles. Joey Porter Jr., well, at one point he went down and looked like, oh, no, we're not going to – he played the whole game after coming, coming out for a couple plays, and he had five tackles. So, you know, Lance Dixon played great. Um, we, well, we look, had- look um, just getting back to, to Jesse Lucada, um, you know, that was a positive for him coming back in. And, and you know, he contributed uh, as much in the second half as virtually any everyone else did the whole game in terms of tackles, uh, short of Ellis Brooks. But yeah. uh, that also leads, um, and I'm going to segue us to the big picture item, it leads to one of my big picture items, um, which is before we're ready to, you know, get on the fire Franklin bandwagon or before we're ready to jump off the cliff. I can't believe you're bringing it up. No, I I mean, I've heard the rumblings, you know, and, you know, hot seat talk and all that kind of stuff. Before we get on that, like there's a bigger picture here that we need to, to, to recognize. And one of those bigger picture items, which is on display in the first half with Locata out is the relative youth of this team because of the off-season departures and early-season injuries. injuries. So, you know, think about this. We, Micah Parsons was going to be the anchor of a veteran uh, defense, uh, particularly veteran linebacking core. And now um, we, we sent out three, I think, think first-year starting... Ve- I honestly think it's less veteran... Uh, linebacking core and more like um, pro- like uh, projection, proje- well projectional um, from their recruiting rankings. Like I, I just think, I, yeah. Did I make a word up? <laughs> I, I don't care. You, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. So projectional. <laughs> um, <laughs> so no, I just I mean I mean we have such high hopes for this linebacking core because these guys are athletic studs and you are project. Projectionally, <laughs> you're wow. projectionally projecting. <laughs> no, so so I just well, think I think I think like I, that's you know that's Brandon not Smith exact... doesn't have the experience that you would that that you would want to replace a Micah Parsons. Um, Jesse Lucada has some good experience, but he wasn't like a starter last year. You know, so these guys are coming into starting roles 
with some experience, but they're not a veteran-laden linebacking course. So yeah, let's and just I, temper our, our, that, that kind of like, you know. Yeah, well, so I think the talent is there. Right. It, nonetheless. It is. It's, de- but, it's developing it to being that, that veteran-laden, like we don't give up plays from this these positions right and and i think part of what you get with that sort of veteran mentality in key positions is not just the experience but it's also the leadership to know what to do in certain situations and you know so so not having parsons and not having locata on the field for the first couple series against ohio state I think part of what you saw in the breakdown of letting that 62-yard run go and letting them score again on a short field with virtually no resistance, I, I think that comes down to some of those gaps being exposed that, that it, you know, had things gone slightly different way with Mike coming back and if Lucada had been in there um, to start the game, you know, it may have been a different game. And I think we're also seeing that on the, the offensive side of the ball as well. We were looking for a veteran offensive line. We were looking for, you know, uh, you know, a couple of, of key receivers in, in Dotson and uh, Fryermuth coming back. But the, the gap in running back right now of not having veteran leadership I think is 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 also being felt in a in a serious way as well as continuing to break in some new freshman wide receivers. So I think in some critical areas we are um, short on experience and leadership, and I think that's what you're seeing these first two games when you face adversity. What you really need is, is you need leadership and team cohesion, and and this team just things have been stacked against them in terms of developing that yeah, in the off felt season. Like, haven't, hasn't felt quite yet that we have found ourselves a defensive leader, both on field and, you know, motivationally and just a character that really galvanizes the defense yet. Um, yeah. Big picture wise, we, we need that. We need yeah. that on the defense, especially right now, because, uh, you know, Clifford's the captain of the, of the, of the, one of the captains of the team, but he's obviously the leader of that offense. So he's their leader, you know, for better or for worse, but on the defense, it just, we don't, we haven't found that quite yet. Here's another uh, big picture item. Um, just in terms of Ohio state and the game in general, um, it, you know, it was not a whiteout. There was no crowd noise. There was nothing to, it's to the first time we haven't had 90,000 plus fans sitting there. You know, for a home game since, I don't know, Beaver Stadium was expanded in the, I don't know what decade, you know, since yeah. it became a 90-plus thousand stadium seated, seated stadium. I, you know, yeah, I don't know. So, so, you know, that so you're going up against, you know, what very well may end up being the, the number one team in the country. Um, you know, certainly They're one of the top. playing like it. They're yeah, certainly like one it. of They're the top They're playing like three. that's what they think they are, too. And you're effectively playing them on a neutral field with a, a, a roster that has been depleted, you know? So again, I mean, we, and we've talked about this, Urban Meyer claiming that, that a whiteout is worth 10 points to the home team. Um, you know, where would those 10 points have showed up? Would it have showed up by creating miscommunication for Ohio State's offense and slowing them down? Would have showed up by giving energy at just the right time uh, to the to the Penn State offense when they're trying to make things happen or to the Penn State defense when they're trying to uh, you know, get a big stop. You know, so, you know, the, the Ohio State for a lot of the game felt like they were a hot knife slicing through butter. 
uh, when it comes to playing against, especially the first half. And I think uh, some of that we got to account for the lack of the whiteout noise, the lack of the whiteout energy. Um, just there, there was no resistance uh, provided to the at, by the atmosphere to Ohio State doing what they want to do. No. And I remember it was, you know, uh, Kirk Herbstreit pointed out at one of the times that Ohio State was, you know, maybe they were first in goal or close to it in where the student section normally is. And, you know, Herbster is saying this is normally the loudest part of the stadium. And they had like the microphones up and you could just hear fields sort of like casually shouting out commands and, you know, audibles and protections and stuff like that. And, you know, it was just clearly heard. There was, there was nothing that, 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 that made it difficult for, for Ohio state in terms of the stadium environment. Yeah, it's uh, my friend. I was in Pittsburgh for the game at my friend Cody's house, and um, we were just in the uh, pregame leading up to it. We were just looking at ourselves like, man, we wish we were able to be at the game. You know, we would like just even if we know we're going to lose, even if we think that that we're going to lose the whole lead up that day. It was a beautiful day in Happy Valley. It was like ripe for uh, tailgating it was ripe for reunions and it was ripe for just a good scene for college football. And really what it is, is a massive letdown <laughs> in terms <laughs> yeah. of like the, the pageantry of a game that, you know, I'm not saying it lived up to be the barn burner, the close game that it could have been. And it has been in years, uh, recent years past, but it still would have been a great day for college football, you know, win or lose. It would have been, Beautiful scene of, of Penn State and any Lion fans, friends, family, um, just being all decked out in white and screaming their hearts out on every second, third, fourth down play for Ohio State's offense. And and Justin Fields, when he was down, you know, scoring touchdowns on the students, student ends uh, of the stadium, he, he, would, he wouldn't have as easy of a time calling plays and making um, adjustments at the line of scrimmage, then he just like had a, an easy day of it essentially without the crowd. And I get it that not, yeah, it was know, like a, it was like a, just a day. Of, ha- uh, yeah, it was I like a that, day at the office, you know, just like, yeah, and I get that Ohio State would have, uh, you know, they're not allowed to have fans in their stadium either, but for a team that's trying to get over the death star hump, that is Ohio state yeah. that we're, I mean, the Ohio state is a juggernaut, the hot night through butter, in the Big Ten every year, and you need every little advantage you can take to 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 get over to to defeat the evil empire, you know. Yeah, and of course it's going to be another two years before we get a shot at him again in our own house. So so that's a disappointment. Uh, and, and and but it's also just again part of the factors that we're that we're dealing with uh, with this Penn State team, a mitigating factor, I would say. I mean, let's um, not. Neg- I'm just going to go back and say. Year in and year out, the powers that be, the the other coach, Urban Meyer said, toughest place to play in my career, hands down, is Beaver Stadium during a whiteout. Yeah. Okay. It's a, and pro- I know we don't, it's a, it's a and point I, of pride for, and I, for Penn State and their fans. And I know we don't have an incredible record with the with the whiteout. I think we're literally a 500 team with a, with a whiteout, which isn't incredible you know well, you, you think we would be better but but it's we pull still, out the whiteouts for the games where you actually where it's going to be a tough you're gonna win. Lo- you could yeah exactly we're gonna, you know that's where it's a coin flip and it still ends up being a bit of a coin flip i you know because because that's the level of competition during those games but so 
um, Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler year in and year out say it's the best scene in all of college football. So if it's the best scene in all of college football and it's the the most difficult um, uh, place to play as a as an opponent, you know these are not insignificant things by any stretch of the imagination. Like wow, okay, we you you lose that for your home field advantage. That's tough to overcome. You know, and it's just like a, what a vacuum that is for of energy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and it's about expectations of the team too. You know, the the team that's expecting uh, the Penn State team they're expecting what playing at Beaver Stadium is supposed to be like. How much of that shift in expectations is part of why you're not bringing your own juice or whatever the cliche phrase that Franklin may have used for them. You know, it's just it's hard to get over the the fact that here you are playing the number three team in the country. And you don't have the whole stadium behind you. It just feels weird. It feels unusual. It feels it feels wrong. It feels bad. And, and, and if you're a recruit that decided to eventually come to Penn State, like that, that's part of that's it's in there for the reasons why you came to Penn sure. State. Absolutely. So especially like let's say you're a senior this year and you're not gonna play past this year at at, at Beaver Stadium, you never get to see your home field crowd again. You know, there's a lot of that going around, you know, not just in college football, but but just everywhere. There's so much of that. You know, we just had Halloween uh, Saturday night and like, you know, I'm in touch with a lot of families and just looking at the Facebook feeds of like the the adjustments that families have tried to make to to do COVID oriented Halloween, COVID safe Halloween. I mean, it's just for the last eight months, really, it's like everything that people have had to look forward to, to be excited about. It's all different. It's modified in some way. And, um, you know, it's just this, it's just the year we're having. And um, that gets me to, to my last big picture point here. And this is something I've been just working on for myself. I don't want to, like, prescribe it to other people. But, um, you know, I'm going back to the first uh, podcast that we did in terms of the sense of gratitude that I expressed and that I said I wanted to be able to have just for having a football season to watch. And, you know, I, I, it's easy to take for granted. It's very, and we've done, done so really quickly. I have, you know, to move from gratitude to criticism. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you don't have to look far across the college football landscape to realize um, we might not, you know, we might not play too many games this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, look at Wisconsin. Yeah, you know they they've they've got twenty two positive players right now. They canceled including one game, coach. including their coach, a couple of coaches. Yeah, um, both of their quarterbacks, and they could that those could those things could still climb. Like, it, I mean, it's not a set number necessarily quite yet. Trevor Lawrence, um, he, might, who is he the, isn't playing the Notre Dame game. Right. And he was the I mean, he was one of the key figures of the of the let us play crowd, you know. Yeah. And they and, almost lost to Boston College with without him. I mean, I thought it really looked like they were going to lose. They now, were uh, down 18 points. Clemson's <laughs> a good team, even without Trevor Lawrence. But now, now you go into into Notre Dame Stadium. And so who knows? Notre right? Dame has all their players, right? I did, as far as I know. So, you, you know, I'm just saying 
you know, there's a sense of like just being able to play the game, be able to watch football, being able to have that moment where Dotson makes that great one-handed catch, and you can say, "Yeah, that's football," and that's that was awesome. that's exciting. Watching watching Brandon Smith blow up Justin Fields, that was also know, awesome. Make him pay for all the watching other... watching Nittany Snacks Antonio Shelton break <laughs> through the line and sack Fields was also awesome. You know? So you know, I mean, some of it's like glass half empty, glass half full, but some of it's just to recognize that. Well, that, so, that because of the scenarios that we're in, there's an opportunity to be thankful and grateful just to have a season this year. And who knows what this season holds? There's a, it's a long season. Um, who knows what next season holds? But like the fact to be able to get our guys on the field, to be able to see them play football, as frustrating as it's been at, at times. Like I just, we're in an international pandemic. Cases are continuing to go up right now in, in November. Um, they're talking about a third wave. Whether we the actually... mutation of the virus. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I'm starting to see green blobs all over the place yeah. and sort of taking form. But no, I mean, you know, it's just take it as it comes kind of thing. You know, uh, Franklin's mantra of one game at a time Maryland, is actually, Maryland, I think is Maryland. Absolutely. Maryland, it's really healthy Maryland. right now just to be, just to be glad. That's, I, I don't want to say this is what you ought to do. Uh, I'm just saying this like, is how my brother Andy is getting through the week. <laughs> I mean, I kind of made it honestly, End I made a season. choice after the Indiana game to say, I, I'm not going to treat this season like evaluate expectations. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to treat this season like every other season. Uh, there are different sorts of things happening, and I'm going to try to enjoy what I can enjoy out of it, even as uh, there are obvious frustrations. So you know, that that gratitude perspective is is part of the big picture that that I'm trying to have of this season. Back in um, back when there wasn't going to be a Big Ten season, my PSU uh, text thread with my friends. Somebody posed the idea of, would you, <laughs> my one buddy was like, I'll take an undefeated season. You know, <laughs> I'll take a not <laughs> like, playing a game playing. undefeated season. That's yeah. what our dad like, would say. Like, like, right. you know, undefeated. Like, yeah. Like, right, like we'd like uh, beat him in uh, the rare games, like beat him so, in chess or something. So he, and he'd be yeah. like, after like, well, I'm undefeated now. It's like, no, you're not. I just beat you. He's like, well, uh, I'm starting the calendar over. I'm undefeated. Yeah. Like, well, you know. so, so the, the, the question turned to um would you take Penn State 0 and 3 I don't know why we were talking we were talking about like how many pe- games it- would Penn State actually end up playing with the with a new schedule and like with the new parameters for covid because you know if you get covid as a member of the Big 10 you're out effectively 21 days which can be could be could be three games potentially but it's a definitely at least two games so they were like Okay, if Penn State only plays three games and they lose all three of those games, would you rather have never played a season or go 0 and 3? And I was like, I'll take the season. I'll take 0 and 3 over no Penn State football being played for an entire, you know, by the time the following season would roll around, you you're talking what, 18, 19, 20 months or something like that. I mean, that's that's a long time to go without Penn State football. Yeah, it was long and, enough this year. It was long in, enough this year. Yeah, in a normal season, you're never thinking there's a chance you're not going to get to play games or play the season. But that's that that is real possibility this year. And so again, I think just trying to be gratif- grateful um, for the fact that we are able to play at all. Um, you know, strategically, it's it's really 
good for Penn State that they're able to put these guys on the field and play, even if this ends up being a season that we'd like to forget. The fact that we will have been able to— Everybody gets to keep their eligibility after this season. Yeah, and the fact that we'll have been able to play and, you know, have basically like a— you know, effectively a, a four-month-long spring practice with scrimmage games. I mean, I know they're not scrimmage games, but it's like, you know, you're going to get a, a, a time to work through what will hopefully be the next iteration of a great Penn State offense um, and improve and work in um, some some fantastic young players on the Penn State defense. So for me, I think, you know, you were t- we were talking before um, we hit record here, you know, how, so, you know, Mr. Optimist, Mr. Nothing Can Go Wrong, how can I evaluate the season from this point, you know, if you don't care about whether the team wins or loses, which to be clear, I do care. But like, for me, the real measuring stick now is is less uh, about like getting that championship that we were kind of thinking we could get at the beginning of the season, and really more about improvement. Is this team improving week over week? Are we seeing growth uh, from parts of the offense that need to grow? And, you know, I, I think it's hard to evaluate against Ohio State because the, the level of difficulty increased so much over our first week. But I, did th- I do think we saw some signs of improvement. Um, you know, so again, you know, that's probably going to be how I'm going to be looking at, at things game over game, as opposed to looking for Penn State to, you know, magically put it all together and get a perfect game. Um, now, whether that's just wishful well, thinking, so other others can can uh, judge for themselves. But that's well, anyway. To, to to go back to the, something I said in our last podcast was like, you know, the old Joe Pa saying, and maybe it's not just the Joe Pa saying, but was you see the the you see your most improvement between week one and two, and I guess that's that's maybe true when you're playing the non-conference slate to begin the season, right? <laughs> and not exactly. playing a much improved Indiana team that got up to beat you, and then you play world beater Ohio State in game two. So so here we are. Game three is maybe where we see that. Oh, and when I say maybe, I say hopefully we see that improvement that we were looking, and we saw some improvement between game one and two. Um, uh, less penalties being one, uh, a second half that was far better than the first half, which means there were halftime adjustments. For yeah, the better as opposed the emergence to having of a, a passing game as opposed to having a good first half and then totally crumbling in the second half. So that's a that's a. That's progression within the game, you know, to present. <laughs> so maybe we build on that second half moving into the Maryland uh, game. And, you know, hopefully we don't see that 0-3 start that I was, you know, projecting as I would take over having no football because we need we need a win this week. <laughs> we need one bad. So what, what, I what else really we got like big picture? I would really like to come away with a win. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, I would really like to come away party. with a win. And I would really like to see, you know, some of the things that have been problems the first two weeks to to not be quite as much of a problem. Well, yeah. This so week. so the, the, when we say these first two weeks, you know, we might have to go back to last season a little bit to kind of like look at a bigger, even even bigger picture. Sure. And that's that's that you know this zero and two start that we have is the first zero and two start since two thousand thirteen when we were I think it was Franklin's first season. Mm-hmm. And yeah. or was it no? It was no, it was no, O'Brien's. No. I'm sorry, that was O'Brien's last season, his farewell campaign. 
<laughs> and uh, no, is that yeah, that's right. So that was I Brian's. I don't that remember. Was a, no, it is. It was uh, Franklin's first season was 2014. So 2013, we started 0 and, 0 and 2. Uh, and this is the, I believe, if I'm not in, if I'm not wrong, uh, this is the first 0 and 2 start we had in the Big Ten since 2002. But as far as Franklin's last seven games, he's now three and four, and he needs to break that. Like he like that's a that's a ba- that's a bad chunk of games right there. Right, because not- like as the uh, sports psychologist from the Natural said, losing is a disease, and we <laughs> we need to losing is <laughs> losing <a> disease. <laughs> is a disease. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it is though. And, yeah, and, I, I agree. And, and that's it, that's it a doesn't pattern sound here. like this team. It is feeling like they are diseased losers. Like judging by the, some of the post game comments from guys like Clifford and how Clifford is viewing the guys in the locker room, he, there's no indication that these guys are throwing the towel in on next week or moving forward. You know, to your to your point um, that I think you made before we started recording this episode is that nobody in 2016 was feeling good about a two and two start. Right. Yeah, a Big Ten championship wasn't on the plate after a two and two start. Middle and of even that. in that and even in that fourth or that fifth game with Minnesota, mm-hmm. we were getting boos. We were getting Frank excuse me, Franklin was getting boos yes. from the fans in the in no Beaver one was Stadium. Booing me, Tom. Yeah. They, they yeah, weren't exactly. booing me. You were getting boos. <laughs> um I mean, you were at the store getting booze. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I may have been actually. That's, well, it was well, that. I mean, Sandy top of a season Barber start. had to come out, and she felt compelled to give confidence. Franklin that vote of confidence that everybody thought was like the exact opposite intent. Is like, oh, if you get a vote of confidence from your athletic director, things are really bad, and you're about to lose your job probably at the end of the season, if not earlier. Like that's what everybody thought a vote of confidence meant. To, with Franklin at that point in time. But what in reality it was, no, she really believed in Franklin and thought that we were close to turning the corner, as did Franklin think he was close. We're, we're close. We're a couple of plays or a couple of players away from having this kind of a season or this kind of a, you know, anything better than like, oh, what two and two would indicate to open a season. Yeah, and- actually, you're bringing that up, Tom, and that, that I think is a really, really important point. Um, not just... Um, in terms of, you know, the fact that that Penn State did turn the corner, but that that Franklin himself had what it took, and I think he still has what it takes to get us from, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel, you know, to to actually being able to play competitive football in this current environment of of elite college football yes we haven't quite broken through the ceiling yet even in in some of those great teams of we tasted of it 16 tasted and 17 it. we've tasted it and 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 you know tasted the ceiling we haven't the, broken through it we've been licking the ceiling yeah. but let's not let's not forget <laughs> what Picture we have <laughs> let's not forget what we have or I should say who we have in james franklin you know the complaining that we're you know, not in the top 1%, even though we've been regularly in the top 10% in the last couple of years, I think is we, we got to be careful not to, um, you know, not, for, not to forget. Yeah. That, what do you we want? Have a, you want, we have a great coach. I mean, it's, you know, and, and nitpicking, I think, and, and, and pointing out what Franklin's done wrong can be helpful to kind of 
figure out why we haven't been able to break through. But we, we need to be careful not to go to the point where we say, you know, we got to get rid of Franklin because we can't do it with him. And speaking of big picture, by the way, don't underestimate how big of a deal it is that he's been separated from his family since the start of the football season this fall. Yeah, his, that's true. his family is living apart from him. That that's that's really he was really apart from hard. them for a long stretch even before that as well. I think he maybe maybe may have only seen them one like once or twice since COVID started. I mean, it's it. You know, we like to think of these these coaches because his daughter can, is. Yeah, his, his daughter, daughter has, has sickle has a, cell anemia. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it'd be really really bad if she um, caught COVID. And so to protect her and allow Franklin to continue to coach and put himself in large group settings, they, they've they been physically separated for all but like a, I think a brief visit where Franklin like quarantined for two weeks beforehand to go see her um, right before the season started or something like that. The, the struggle, the struggle here is for the fans that are listening, for, for the few fans that and friends <laughs> the and family that are listenership. <laughs> the 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 problem is we we college football fans are such they're so rabid and they're so like they want the win they want the win so bad and and what we what Penn State football is is not a win at all costs university like that's to to my knowledge we it's success with honor. So to nitpick what what it takes to be Ohio State, to be Clemson, to be Alabama, you might have to concede some of those things that you don't want to concede if you're a purist of the sport, uh, as we think we like to think that a that a Penn State is is um, a team that puts you know school and family and community before the the wins you know yeah and winning the right building, way building building young men into into strong charactered you know uh, educated individuals that can go out into the world and and succeed beyond the playing field so yeah when, you know, uh, uh, the winning is the product of doing it the right way it's not the i mean it's not the ultimate goal at Penn State, I don't believe. I mean, that's what the it's. I mean, it's, the, it, it's a product. Mistake, it's winning brings in money, and that is a a big yeah, driver I mean, of it's, the sport. It's but, part of being able to continue that. But like, but like you Franklin's said, Franklin's a human being. The players he's coaching are human beings, and there's stuff outside of just Saturdays that come into to to Penn State football, and I and it's tough to to just look at Penn State football in a box through a window that where you're only looking at like how James Franklin does on Saturdays only. Yeah. I, I like what he's done with the university. I agree. And, and I just want to, I want to make this one last point. Yeah, where we finally get to the Ohio State game. Yeah. We, Sorry, we're, we're taking we're forever, We're procrastinating uh, actually yeah, talking about, talk the about it. No, but like, so – you know, I've said this before. I'm a I'm a in a leadership position in an organization, and um, you know the stresses on uh, leading through these really really challenging and unprecedented times is significant. And when there are things that go on that that uh, are are not successful, when there are challenges that you face that are unexpected, 
um, during unprecedented times. It is very natural that you sort of point the finger and lay blame on on the leader in that position. Um, well, when it, his game management uh, continues to be a glaring issue, it's tough. I, and I it's, understand look, that. Look, it's not to say that there aren't problems, okay? It's not to say that there aren't things that you could critique or could have been better. But like the bigger picture is that when when you're facing such significant adversity, it it, it does affect uh, the morale and the enthusiasm, the emotional and spiritual life of that leader. And and what I want to, I just want to say this to the four people who are listening there. <laughs> uh, say poor the, people or the four people? Four. Well, they're also poor people because yeah, they're we're all poor, poor people. Those poor, poor people who are listening. Um, but um, we feel your pain because we are those poor people as well. <laughs> What's more important right now, I think, than being hypercritical is to actually uh, show support. And I think for Franklin right now, for him to know that he's got the support of the Penn State fan base will do far more for him and his team than to have people piling on and calling for his resignation or his firing or his the hot seat kind of thing. I, I Because... And again, I think in normal times that calculus might be different, but these are not normal times. And I, I would just want to say Franklin is in a position where I think he probably really needs some kind of support, uh, a, a broad-based support from folks, especially now when things uh, have not turned out. I mean, it, it, just watch this last couple um, news conferences. He, he's he doesn't he have is, the same. He doesn't. No, have the same he doesn't. Candor. He doesn't. I think some of that has to do with. The high personal expectations life. that well, he the personal had for life himself. On top of that. Yeah, okay. But yeah, but fair. I also think I'm starting to recognize underneath that the 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 personal life. You know, he's not going home to his family. He can't have the team over to his house. He can't do that. He's a very very emotionally close person. He likes being emotionally close with his players and his coaches and no doubt his family. And um, he doesn't have all of that right now. And then to add on to that, everyone just you know giving him crap for the adversity that we're facing. I just, I don't think it's the right move. I think the right move is to, to look back at what everything Franklin's given us, certainly since 2016, but even the two years of adversity before that and rebuilding the team, you know, uh, diligently and strategically and methodically. He's a great coach. And whether he ever wins the big one for us or not, he's definitely still one of the top coaches in the country. Uh, and I think to, to wish him away is a huge mistake. And, and now's the time when we're facing such adversity where we need to lean into the strengths that we have. And one of those big strengths is James Franklin. Uh, James, I'm in your corner, man. I'm glad you're our coach. Um, I want to invite our other listeners to to join me and and seeing the big picture and um, being grateful for, for Coach Franklin. Yeah. And let it be known, I'm not an advocate for firing this guy. I mean, especially the talk of it right now is extremely premature, I would say. At, 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 at a at least, at the very least, it's extremely pre- premature. Uh, uh, so, but, but, you know, you have to like go back, you know, Joe Pod never had three 11 win seasons in four, in four seasons. Like he just, he didn't, you know? Yeah, and, exactly. And, and, but here's the other thing is like, who are you hiring to replace him? Exactly. Where, that's where's a, the world beater? Where's the world beater that it's, that's going to get you to beyond where Franklin has gotten us, which by the way, he literally pulled Penn State out of the depths of despair. 
Like we were get when O'Brien jumped ship, it felt bad, and we had no idea that we were going to return to the promised land. And he left the cupboard empty, by the way. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, it's just like, and Franklin, here he is starting with a with a quarterback who was supposed to be an All American who only regressed. Uh, under through, Bill O'Brien. through his NFL years, you could yeah, see it wasn't. Yeah. And no offense to Christian, you know, because I'm really appreciative of Christian and what uh, he's, he's a great he's alum and he did great things for our university. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm but sure, I think I'm in just, terms of they weren't of his a match. They weren't a match though, Franklin and and Christian. And I think that's I don't think you can dispute that very well if you're either well, of those. Even guys. so, like you know, you look. He went to a couple different NFL teams and he wasn't quite able to. To put it together the way he was under O'Brien. Which we all wanted him to. We all, yeah, we all wanted course. him to have a, a, a career in pro sports. But I'm getting, uh, uh, yeah, you know, beside we, the point. off track, right? Is, is that Franklin, you know, he he moved the needle forward from when we had the, a bare cupboard, essentially. He moved the he needle forward. He just move us got, forward. Yeah, yeah, he, exactly. He brought us into the kind of success and expectation we haven't been legitimately able to have for over a decade, in some cases, multiple decades. So again, aside from winning the national championship and getting into that playoff, uh, you know, Penn State's among the winningest programs over the last few years. So, you know, I, I, I feel like just, you know, taking a mulligan on the way this this um, 2020 season has started for Penn State right now, it, it, it's not... It's not just giving him a I'm okay pass. With that. I'm okay so, with that. He so, also has built up that good that goodwill. He he just has. Like you, you don't just jump ship on a guy like that. It, and it hey, looks bad. It looks bad from a university perspective too. You, for the we're moment, not, we're for not the these moment. other universities that just that haven't had stability. Like this is that's not what Penn State is. We are a stable university, barring you know the 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 c- catastrophic 2012 and 2000 you know 2000. Sorry, 2011 season. Like, we he pulled us out of that cat- catastrophe. And for the moment, we're 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 fairly well positioned for the future in terms of current talent. You know, I know the next year's recruiting classes is, is you know people are worried about that, but right now, 2022, he we're the second ranked the second ranked class. class in the country. So so in spite of all this, Franklin's still out there able not just to breed goodwill within the university and the fan base, but among incoming recruits. Um, you know, we're we're still able to see some things. Whether so that holds, fan, we don't know. As a but, fan base, if we start. Yes. Dumping ship on Franklin. Guess what? That'll start those rum, rumors and rumblings of and gripings will will bleed their they have their domino effect in the recruiting world. And again, to your point is Franklin could use a little bit more support from the fan base after an 0-2 start, which is is a it, he hasn't proven that that's the standard here at Penn State. No, and you can tell that's not what he expects or wants. And and I, I do expect the Maryland the coaches- game. The Maryland game is gonna is really going to tell us a lot more than, than we so. thought we were going to learn with the Ohio State. Unfortunately, game. like going into the season, I w- you know you you were hoping that the Ohio State game was the was the real litmus test. But I, I think the Maryland game is going to be the litmus test for how how this team is responding to this adversity, um, and 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 whether or not we can look forward to a remainder of the season, which will be competitive, um, and, you know, regularly, and 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 whether you know, Franklin's able to find enough of the pieces of, uh, you know, of the talent and the scheme to, 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 to make, 
to make for a fun season going forward. I, and I do expect that. To we happen can still week. have a good season. Let's let's be clear about that. Like yeah. that, those opportunities are on the table. You run the you run the table, and I'm not saying we are going to run the table, but because you know Maryland, 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 Maryland. But like if we run the table, you are are thinking about what how we feel right now at zero and two is certainly going to be a bit different. So. Um, so everybody look, calm down, including myself. <laughs> yeah. So, so look, um, we were going to talk about Ohio state a little bit. Do you still want to do that, Tom? Or do we, do we, yeah, no, we, we should do that because right. we, we're 55 minutes into this, <laughs> this gaffe mania ranting oh my of, gosh. of just oh. what, 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 <sighs> breaths. Yeah, okay. So, so, so let's, <laughs> I mean, we did cover some of the things we covered some of the positive things, uh, from the Ohio state game in spite of the, the outcome. Um, let's just talk about the offense and then we'll talk okay. about the defense of what okay. some of the things we saw that, that I got we something. feel. Yeah, let's hear it. I got something I want to get off my chest. Okay. Gathmania grape. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say what we all were thinking. <laughs> Why on earth do you go for it on fourth and two from your own 45 when you're only down one touchdown to start the game? Why? I'll tell you why. Uh, please, Lord, tell me. Why? And I I agree with you, number one that I I I would not have made that call. Uh, obviously, the way it turned out um, really put us in a deeper hole. So I'm not an advocate for that call. The reward was not there. there, were, there, were, there were. Well, because you didn't get the first down. Obviously. Well, no. If you got the first down, the reward didn't like outweigh the risk. Cool, you got a first down. It wasn't like you needed that first down in order to win the game. It was like, why are you like you wanted to set the tone against Ohio State? I hear I think you. it's a bad move. I think it's a bad move I, I on your own you. side of the forty-five. And guess what? They made them pay for it immediately. Oh yes, they did. I mean, um, you, you already—they so, already opened up the game with a sixty-two-yard jet sweep on us. So a we came to <laughs> we came to play not right away. Like the coaching staff, the players, right out the gate, we, we weren't there. So to go for it on four, like. The confidence that you have to have in your team to to go for it on fourth and two when you already have clearly shown that you weren't ready right out the gate and Ohio State was, you're probably not going to get the better of the team that was ready to play right out the gate. Just well, going to say it. The offense. Then you spotted him 14 points right out the gate. That's the, and then the bada offense, bang, bada boom, you're playing hmm. Ohio State be, like way behind. And that's not, right. that's, no, sure. that's not a recipe for success against one of the best teams in the country. So – no doubt the the coaching staff understood the risks um, and no doubt that that played into their calculations. I just want to say that that you know both the defense and the offense contributed to us being down 14 points with with you know lapses and and execution failures. And being down 14 to Ohio State was you know ultimately an insurmountable um, you, you know insurmountable, barrier to cross uh, you know second half we we beat them in terms of the scoreboard but it wasn't enough to overcome a 14 point deficit uh you know i just wanted to say in terms of why you make that call and uh, by the I, way it ended up being a 21 to 3 deficit at the end of the half yeah. I, yeah. Oh, I guess i'm sorry 21 no, 6 because we got that field yes. goal freebie but anyways um so so I, I just wanted to say you know i i was mystified by that call when it happened um, in the post-game press conference, uh, Franklin addressed that. And, and what he said was that they realized that 
a key to the game was going to have to be Penn State being aggressive, um, which that he took to mean uh, going for it in in those kinds of situations, uh, in part to uh, keep the ball out of Justin Fields' hands, and also in part to you know um, grab the momentum and the the impetus to you know move the ball. So clearly that decision, while you know sort of the the general way that you look at playing a football game and the instincts that you and I had of why are you doing that uh, makes a lot of sense. There was a rational um, strategic reason for them to go for it. I can understand that when we're on their 40-yard line or inside their 40-yard. I can understand that there. I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not an apologist. 45? I mean, I'm not an apologist for that decision. I just, it was an, it was illuminating for me to recognize that that was part of a game strategy that they wanted to carry out. And I think if they if they did get it on fourth and two, and by, by the way, Franklin is a huge analytics guy. And did right you say now, illumination? I don't know what I said. I think you said illumination. <laughs> so I'm just going to real quick shout out to Sean Connery. Illumination, my dear boy. Uh, rest in R. peace. R.I.P. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so uh, in any case, um, you know, if they had gotten it and been, was were able to keep the ball uh, moving. I, I think that that would have played into that uh, strategy. And um, the fact that it didn't, of course, with a, with the defense already on their heels and then dealing with a, you know, a four and out and a short field, it just it, it was too much to overcome. So I, I don't think it was the right call, um, even with the strategy, but it's just to say there was a reason for it. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't uh, random. It wasn't, you know, just sort of flailing about or like sort of part of this poor game management uh, collection of ideas that we've had. It was just part of how they wanted to play the game. I do think it and, was and part of the poor game management. Well, I do. I, I mean, I do. I do. I understand I what do. you're saying. And I do because you also, it's like you talk about um, going for, you know, going for and forth and two, being aggressive, whatever, and being aggressive. You have, uh, let's say let's say you punted away and and they didn't get a touchdown on that drive. Let's just say that for the sake of this discussion, remove seven remove just do it. Remove seven points from their score. What's what and what's their score? Yeah, obviously. What is it? No, tell me what the it's what, seven what, nothing. No, no, no. Remove from the uh, final oh, score oh, result from the final. Remove score. seven from their Thir- thirty-one. Their it was thirty-one, 31 to twenty-five. Thirty-one to twenty-five. Okay, then so so that's a that's six points. Um, that's six points, uh, that you have to make up at the end. And then, and then if you remove the, um, the two, yeah, the the two, two point conversion, two, two point conversions we went for add two more points there. I mean, I'm just I mean, saying it's like still a touchdown it, sprint, it closes the gap though in it, ways it and does. changes the dynamic of the game in ways that, you know, just play sound, reasonable, rational football when those game management decisions and you might, you might have a totally different game that you're, here's, you're dealing with in the second half. Here's what's hard about that fourth and two call is that you effectively decided the game in the first five minutes of play. Yes. You know, and, and a punt in that situation, even if you want to be aggressive, like you said, the risk versus the reward, the, 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 the risk is, you know, basically letting the game get out of hand. Um, that Clipper early. didn't even remotely come close to making a play on that fourth and two. I mean, he was he was running for his life, getting flushed out of the pocket immediately, and threw the ball right in the ground. And again, it was so early in the game, you didn't have any sense of the rhythm. It, you know, now he should have anticipated what that Ohio's, being Ohio whatever. State. 
is so darn good. It just it wasn't the right call, but I'm just saying it it fit within the envelope of an approach to the game that they wanted to have. And they were not able to carry out the whole first half that strategy. It was they were on their heels. They were there was no rhythm. I mean, nothing worked on the ground or in the air the yeah, whole I first mean, half. Like so, even even the plan to run Clifford d- didn't pr- produce any results. I mean, and if he, you, yeah, if you he had still had ran said, it fifteen times or something like that, or eighteen times, and it's got garbage for okay, uh, they look sh- should have had that feel of, for for their offense or their defensive front seven that we weren't going to be able to do certain things against them. And that you had to account for that. Short of the that last um, three points, that sort of stolen three points at the end of the half. If I don't you think had, you stole that. What, whatever. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. It was sort of these weird – this is a it weird, weird situation. It was weird. It, if, if you had told the coaches that, that there would Penn State would have three points in the first half, no matter what you did, because the offense was going to be stuck in neutral – you know, I don't think they would have had the strategy going into the game to be aggressive and go for it. Like it would have been like a field position game, and um, that's that field it, position game can win you games. Absolutely, they play I'm that just, in the pros. All I'm saying they play is, field position in the pros, and, and the gamble, the gambler, the gambling head coaches that that go for it, like an O'Brien, who constantly goes for them on those situations. It it bites them. So more often than it doesn't, unless just, you have unless you have a, a Pat Mahomes, unless you have a Justin Fields, right. to be which able we to don't execute, have right now. Which we, yeah, <laughs> which, that's my point. Yeah, you got to so, know you got to know your strengths yeah. for the players that you got, and you can't just cross your fingers and just say, you know, maybe we got a ten percent chance of making this, but like you know, we'll see. I think we can do it. So in the hindsight is twenty twenty in the Monday morning quarterbacking category. You know, my critique is not so much on the going for it on fourth and two. The critique would be on the offensive game plan overall going in, which relied on an aggressiveness and, uh, you know, taking chances and, go. you know, I, I think, again, this is hindsight 2020. I think you would have said what we really need to do is try to do a possession and a field position game going in, and that's going to give us the best chance to kind of catch the flow of the game and keep ourselves in it in the second half when things will start to maybe loosen up a bit. And I also think on that note, you saw a change in game plan in the second half that actually started uh, to work and, and you know, in fact, it put us in the game. And if the gap had not been quite as wide in the first half, maybe it would have changed the whole complexion of the game. So, you know, it turns out that that fourth and two play was actually, in some ways, a game-deciding play. And you don't really make that call thinking that at the time. But um, unfortunately, that's how it turned out and put us in a 14-point hole that we were never able to overcome. Yeah, I mean, so I'm also just a little perturbed by um, the lack of production overall coming from the tight end group and the running back group from a passing perspective, from a receiving perspective. Hey, I, I want to... Um, really, really haven't seen much um, by way of um, distributing to many targets besides Pat Fryermuth. And I mean, Devin Ford only had one catch for zero yards in the game against Ohio State. I'm actually not going to... at the screen. 
yeah, we should never call a screen pass ever again. We have no idea how to, how to run a screen. It's like, terrible. I just, now, it I, you know, if against Maryland, we get like an 81-yard touchdown on a screen pass. I'll change my mind. But like, maybe. it just seems, fu- it just seems futile. Um, but I, I don't want to pick on the passing game right now, actually. I mean, the passing game was, was pretty darn good for the, us. I'm not I, talking no, about the passing game. No, no, no. I'm talking, no. About, I'm, I'm, I'm talking <laughs> about the game plan in the passing game. I, our passing game kept us in the game. To in the me, second half. To, period. To, to me, the big Two problem— Two for seven for 29 yards in the first I'm half? Just, look, That's not a period. The passing game kept us in the game. The big difference in the game from our offense to their offense was the run game. We no no had doubt. zero— run game going not the quarterback run game not the running back run game we had less than 50 yards on the ground as a team and ohio state what do you do ohio state had 200 yards on the ground now credit credit ohio state you know with a good defense and and um you know I, i think there's still some offensive line struggles that we just haven't quite put it all together hold on hold on i'm gonna talk about their their run game so go on though um you know, if we were able to put together a, a running game that could get us some yards, uh, again, that's a that's a game changing development. You know that Clifford doesn't have to put the the game all on his shoulders, and um, you know Clifford for you know for his interception and his inefficiency in the first half. Um, you know he he was the one that that put us back in that game. He and Dotson. You know, along with some some contributions yeah. from Parker Washington, Dotson. you know, um, but, you know, Clifford was throwing those balls and making those decisions. So and just, you know, to me, it was the lack of the run game more than deficiencies in the passing game that really made the difference for us on offense. And if, if we had been able to get the run game going um, or conversely had been able to slow down their run game, it may well, have been it may have been a different and- kind of game. That was that. I mean, besides Justin Fields being nearly perfect through the air, he was twenty-eight of thirty-four for hey, three hundred and eight times as many incompletions against us as he did against Nebraska. So that's that's a pretty that's a pretty big difference. Yeah, let me just go ahead and reiterate: twenty-eight of thirty-four for three hundred and eighteen yards and four touchdowns. That might be one of the best performances by a quarterback in the in Beaver Stadium in the last decade. That's plus. unbelievable. I, I think okay, he has more so, touchdowns than incompletions right now. Uh he 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 has as many. He has he has the exact same number. He has seven touchdowns on, in two games throwing throwing the ball and seven incompletions in two games throwing the ball. That's but, just so, ridiculous so, by so the way. So what's crazy about his game against us is defensively we literally did not have to account for him as a runner. They Ohio State's game plan was to not run him. He dude, he ran the ball 6 times for 12 yards and was sacked twice for negative 4 yards. So I mean, th- their game plan had nothing to do with him running the ball. Master Teague ran 23 times for 115 yards. Wilson Garrett, the wide receiver, one jet sweep for 62 yards. That obviously skews their overall team um, rushing numbers a little bit with a, I mean, you can call it a trick play, whatever you want, but it's not, it wasn't a traditional running back running play. Trey Sermon, 13 carries, 56 yards. They had a very efficient run game plan against us that didn't even make us have to account for Justin Fields. 
Now, like on the on the on the so by the way, our, our Penn State defense, which for years under Brent Pry is known for being a very staunch again. Um, you know, a staunch is that the right word? Sure. <laughs> yes, yeah, stout. 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 Thank you. Um, stout against the run. I mean, we typically are in the top five, at the very least top ten in um, rushing defense categories. They chewed us up through the air and th- on the ground without any gimmicks from the quarterback. Like a than, hot knife through butter. Like, like a I hot said. knife through butter. Our defense was essentially not up to the task of stopping this elite. Um, Ohio State offense. And then Again, so the second so half we slowed them down a little bit. A little bit. A little, little, bit. little better in the second half. They still chewed yards though. They just didn't get as many points as we got in the second half. But they you know, we were playing for our lives and but again it was it, it, it was really it was really the first five minutes of the game. You know well, so the the line of scrimmage first we'll we'll call it the first seven minutes of the game. They scored their second touchdown uh with eight thirty nine left on the uh, clock in uh, the first quarter, and uh, you we know, abandoned th- we abandoned our run game against them. We abandoned our running back run run game against them. Basically. Not in the first half, dude. Uh, Not in the first I, half. I'm, I'm saying we well yeah well we didn't have a pass game against them in the first half. You know, so, we had nothing. You know, Devin Ford, in the first De- half. Devin Ford ran the ball in the game eight times for 36 yards. And and by the way, a long of twenty three. So those other seven carries, for were for thirteen yards. Yeah, that's I mean, that's bad. What the heck? So and Sean Clifford, yeah, he ran the ball eighteen times for thirty three yards, but lost twenty eight on five sacks. So he had a mm-hmm. net rushing, mm-hmm. net rushing yardage total of five yards. Well, look, just it, we. I mean. It, they're all kind of They were of a better bad. team than us. They're better. Team. They, they were a better team than us. I just, I just wanted to point out that that was really the the big difference, um, the significant difference in the game. I think was really in the uh, in the ground game for both Ohio State and Penn State. Um, and you know, again, credit Ohio State's defense. Um, and um, you know, I think our defensive. Um, Holes in the first half contributed to that as well, including that huge, you know, sixty-two yard uh, run on the jet sweep. You know, but but I, it was just illuminating to me. There it is again, illumination, illumination, the path of illumination. Um, it to me to recognize that it really wasn't the difference in quarterback play as much as the difference on the run game that was was where the real, which is where our offensive line has not proven themselves to be yeah, a strong and that's strong, a problem for me. A uh, strong you know, group for us yet this I, again, year. Again, how much of that is related to the you know, bringing in a new coach uh in Phil Troutwine and and bringing in a new offensive scheme. I mean, with Clifford Kurt still looks like he's he's dancing I, back not, there like he's I'm a I'm not freshman. saying that's not true, but I'm just saying in terms of Well, that's of my the, I'm saying in I think that's due to him not being comfortable yeah. in in a pocket yes. that's continually collapsing on him, and he's getting he's getting roughed up on every play it seems like, and so his his happy feet are are, are in hyperdrive, and you you know you just you you were wanting to see him have the ability like, to just looking at Justin Fields in the pocket, it is such so a calm. different thing to see Justin Fields in the pocket compared to Sean Clifford in the pocket it is. Night and day, and I mean that literally. So, it's it's so well, frustrating to see. 
I agree. It is frustrating. And what are the reasons behind it? How do you uh, progress as a quarterback if you aren't able to feel comfortable in a pocket? Yeah, I, I agree with you. And like, we're not being analysts, we don't have good answers for ourselves or for other people. You know, again, I go back to the the fact that the the, the development of this offense and the offensive line in particular has had some real hurdles this year. And perhaps that some of it, we kind of felt that the coaching staff, um, you know, on paper would be uh, an improvement over last year's offensive coaching staff. And so why aren't we seeing that? Some of it may just come down to the fact that they haven't had a chance to do the work that they need to do. And they've really been, you know, put through a trial by fire these first two games. That's why I'm looking to the the Maryland game as a an opportunity to really see what kind of progress this team has made. And would that be a chance to have you know, very positive game, even if it's not a blowout game, a very positive game to to start feeling things out and figuring things out and starting to to get some of the cohesion that we haven't seen so far this year. Penalties were down. Um, we still had a few penalties that occurred in critical uh, situations. That yeah, and turnovers were happen. down as well. Turnovers were down. Um, Although, Clifford again, did, Clifford a critical – Critical turnover. I mean, at that point, it was still a prayer of a hope that we we could then get the ball back if we had scored a touchdown towards the end of the game, and then to be able to score another one. There um, was a window of opportunity, and the the interception really. Shut I'm that still down. I'm still not sure. You know, another issue is like it doesn't, and I felt this way in seasons past as well. I don't feel like our system of getting a play in and getting everybody set up and hiking the ball we don't we, it doesn't seem like we have the ability to have the sense of urgency required to to score at will and keep a defense off balance i would like to see a compliment you know, I know what they do is they come into the line, they look up for a for a change of play after the. There defense are times lines where up. the play clock is almost at, at zero, I and they're not even trying to 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 use the whole play clock. They're literally just trying to get a playoff. Yeah, and it's so, like what? I would like to see, um, you know, more often a, a true hurry up type of offense where you can actually just go up to the line, you have a play called, and you're not like second-guessing it or waiting or giving the defense a chance to reset where you just sort of go. So, you know, whether Sharaka will include that as part of his plan, I don't know, but I agree. I still need to see run plays. I agree with the frustration. I still also want to see the run plays develop quicker. Um, Like, or or, or not necessarily develop quicker, but like when um, Clifford is holding the ball in, yeah, you're like, talking about the mesh point and the, the yeah, on the, the mesh point seems like it's it, it like time stands still for the offense, but the whole defensive line is crashing down on us. Where it's like, uh, what's the point of running a play that gives the overmatched o- offensive line, um, you know, you have to give them all the time in the world to to to, to defend these all American level defenders. Yeah. <laughs> it's like case in point. How is that helpful? Wasn't it like on one of our early drives where like at the mesh point, one of the Ohio state guys tackled just tackled both, both, of, both of them. It's like, we're lucky <laughs> was, to hang on to the ball at that. I point. mean, so I, I agree with you, but like, again, these are things that are not specific to the Ohio state game um, or the Indiana game. Well, yeah, they're, my point they're is they're I just, hadn't the, seen the, the progression of any of these just, things getting better. 
Yeah. Is it a feature of, or a function of the offense in general? Is it a way the way that Clifford's running it, um, or the way that Troutwine better taught? figure out this offensive line? I hope I'll so. Tell you that. I hope so. Because our last two offensive line coaches didn't pan out at, at all. Unless three, probably. I don't even know. Um, Look, um, you know, a getting similar old, getting old here. Yeah, a, you know, a similar theme again with um, on the defensive side. The 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 pass coverage just felt like a critical time where stops were needed. There was you know receivers wide open in the zone and. Um, you know, so, so similar to like on the RPO side, the sec the, the pass coverage side on the defense, these themes are just there and, um, you want to see some correction on that. Again, Ohio state was, you know, the difficulty level really, really increased, um, when we played them. So maybe it's not showing the progression that we would have otherwise seen. And Maryland will be a good gauge for that. And, and, um, why don't we just. I don't know how much there's a talk about Maryland, but let's talk a little wait, bit. Wait, wait. Last thing I need to see from from progression wise is is you know you you call a timeout to get your play get your players set get your play called get your per personnel set. I need to see these these players ready to play out of uh, coming off a timeout and and that that I didn't see it. I didn't see it happen against Ohio State. And it needs to happen. You need to correct that kind of stuff when you play a team like Maryland so that you can then go on to play an Iowa or a Michigan and not have these mistakes come back to bite you in the butt hardcore and lose games because of it. So now I can move on to Maryland. Now I can move on to Maryland. I have, you feel, I have, you feel I have, better? I have exercised the demons. I'm so relieved. Mm, okay. So, so Maryland is going to give us a chance to really see if – if we're able to improve um, from the first two weeks, um, you know, obviously the, there's a lot of mentality issues that will be involved in that after two really difficult letdowns. But um, w the talent level is there on Penn State's team to to have a good game, and hopefully they've learned a lot over the first two weeks that they can start putting some things together against Maryland. Now, Maryland is not going to be a pushover like we maybe ha would have thought watching them get destroyed by Northwestern the first game because they showed up against Minnesota last week. Yeah, and they I mean it was a shootout. It was an overtime thriller and Maryland won not necessarily because they they gave him a dagger. It was because Minnesota missed an extra point in overtime to force double overtime. So so I don't before we like start anointing Maryland to be this like contender of any sort, you know, cuz they lost they got humiliated by Northwestern in their first week, correct? Obliterated. Yeah, and Northwestern's first of all, they're they're two and zero. Oh. They beat they, looks like they a beat Iowa. Team, actually. They beat Iowa. Yeah, they, yeah. So so we have this weird like uh, balance of uh, uh, maybe shift of what teams are good and what teams are bad this year, and it could be and how much this, of that is COVID, right? Yeah, like, yeah, right. All, exactly. This 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 great you know other than the true like. Um, you know, halves at the very top, the top four teams, top three teams, really. We even saw those with Oklahoma. I mean, just looking like a bunch of fools this year. Yeah. Um, you know, so right now you have three teams. And that LSU really... jumped off, dropped yeah. off a cliff. And Michigan has three... jumping oh, off a cliff. That was, that was exciting. I mean, I just loved it. But, you know, Michigan, we, we had said previous week, um, wow, maybe they're uh, really going to be a tough team this year. They've got the, you know, Harbaugh, 
recruited quarterback and, and, and they beat Minnesota. Joe Milton. They beat Minnesota, who we thought <laughs> was going to be, you know, they they but then Maryland you know, beats Minnesota, <laughs> you know, right? And so like, well, maybe Minnesota's not that good, and maybe that means that Michigan's not that good. And what kind of team is Michigan State going to be? And uh, you know, it's just it's hard to know. There's sort of there's sort of a reshuffling of the deck with COVID for everyone who's under that that elite top tier right now. And uh, again, it's a good reason for Penn State and Penn State fans not to not to give up hope and and to say like anything can happen in the Big Ten with these remaining six games before we go into that you know yeah what happens championship if, weekend what happens if um Ohio State like gets COVID first of all if they got what I'm COVID, saying if they got COVID would they would they <laughs> would they find, admit it would they find ways <laughs> to get around it I'm serious man I know I, I like know. I I wonder that kind of stuff like Alabama like they these teams had Clemson they had break they had outbreaks over the summer that was you you're thinking to themselves uh, oh my gosh are they intentionally giving their teams COVID so that they have herd immunity that kind of con I mean I don't know if that's true or not but. The conversation yeah, was out I'm, there. Yeah, I'm a little less prone to those kinds of uh, conspiracy theories. Uh, My than, point is, than like you know, it, it's crushing Wisconsin right now. It, you know, they yeah. they they're both their you know, which is their second string and their third string quarterbacks are out with COVID. Their head coach out with COVID. Twenty two total players and and staff uh, beyond that out with COVID, and they can't even play their next game. I think even after I forget who their opponent was supposed to be this past Nebraska. Weekend. Nebraska. <laughs> Nebraska is getting hosed. And they tried. I think Nebraska tried to. Nebraska tried <laughs> they to. Try. They tried to uh, schedule. Is it Chattanooga? I no, it wasn't Chattanooga, but it was some. It was some like FC Middle Tennessee or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And um, the Big Ten was like, no sir, no siree. I but, mean, okay. So to, to to get back here is is that what if Ohio State can only play five games, but yeah, they're undefeated. They they would not be eligible. So Penn State, for you gotta, you gotta. If you can play six games and win the last six games, yeah. or whatever, like go oh, for are it. They, I mean, you, your season's not done yet. No, so, it's it sure isn't. So you gotta, you gotta come, you gotta come to play for Maryland, and yeah, you can't I, take Maryland for granted because this could be another trap game, like the Indiana game, you know. Yeah, and Maryland's got some things to work with, um, and and that showed up at that Minnesota game. Yes, they they didn't. Uh, obliterate Minnesota, but they had enough, uh, they had done, they did enough to stay in the game until the end. Um, a couple things they have. Um, they have a great quarterback. Uh, well, we'll see. Well, he, we'll see. They have a Talia, great talent. They have a Tal great yeah. talent. Talia Taglavioa. He's just get, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's like, it's, it's like, I hear them, I hear people pronounce his older brother, Tua, who was playing with the Miami Dolphins, who was the Alabama quarterback. Um, to a, I hear Tungavailoa, so maybe it's Tungavailoa, but it looks like Taglavailoa. So, to a Talia Taglavailoa was an Alabama uh, rostered player last year, and he transferred um, to to Maryland um, with with and followed Mike Mike Loxley, who was the Broyles Award winner for the best assistant coach in the country when they won a national title at Alabama as the OC. And Talia, you know, now he's under Mike Loxley here at Maryland. And Tal um, Mike Loxley, his Maryland roots and the state of Maryland roots runs very deep. He's from D.C. He's the uh, he went to Towson State University, which is just down the road from you, Andy. And he he coached there several times. And he was the interim head coach at University of Maryland back when they fired Randy Edsel, I think, in 2014. 
and here he is back back at Maryland. He's a Maryland guy, and he's trying to build a program. He's he's he and he. I think he coached with Franklin at, at one point when Franklin was at Maryland. It might they 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 they've come across each other. Let's put it that way. They know each other. Yeah, I can't remember um, if they crossed paths directly or if they were just you know have Maryland connections. But um, you know, and and he's yeah, he's regarded as a good coach. Um, he hasn't had a lot of um, wins as a head coach at this point. Um, yeah, he's only five and fifteen, I think, with Maryland currently. But I, but I think he's you know the idea is that they brought him in to kind of build a culture at Maryland, and you know certainly having uh, having a quarterback uh, talent under center right now uh, that Maryland has that that that's 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 going to be part of it. Um, you know, this is a team that can, if allowed, score some points. They also had uh, their their running back has has run uh, th- through two games, has run for 251 yards already. So, you know, that's not nothing there. Um, you know, of course, Maryland is going to be looking to to make a statement against us, and and you know that mentality is something that we got to be prepared for. Um, so, so you know, I, I think in some ways this Maryland game, you know, two games into the season is is going to be a lot like in in 2016 that Minnesota game, you know. Now that Minnesota game was a hot seat game for for Franklin, but it was also the game where the Joe Moore had offense finally uh, got their feet under them and started started taking the strides they did that ultimately led them to the big 10 championship. Yeah. And no one was, no one was uh, really enjoying the Joe Moorhead offense in those first four games. No, they not really, not really, Um, not yet. So, you know, and, and again, there's some interesting parallels there, right? We had a, a, a close loss in overtime to Pittsburgh, right? Wasn't that an overtime loss? Uh, yeah. Or was this a, or was it just uh, an end of the game, like a, maybe as the I'll time look expired? It up and put loss. it in the show notes, but uh, but it was a it was a one. No, score. it was not overtime. I don't think it was over. I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't there like a drop in the end zone or something like that. In any case, it was there. It well, was there a, was definitely a Deshaun Hamilton drop in the end zone. What I, and and that, I, you know, I'm, I'm I think it was, I think it was um, regular. Guess time expired or something like it's, that. Uh, that it was towards the end. It was like the I, last. Minute I haven't wanted sure. to think about that game in a long time, so it's a little hazy. <laughs> Yeah. But in any case, you know there was that there was that crushing close loss that we could have should have won against Pittsburgh, and then there was the embarrassing the embarrassing loss um, uh, to to Michigan with a depleted um, linebacking crew, and you know in spite of all that adversity and near misses and that kind of thing, like people were just done with Franklin, they they were done with the team, they were done with the offense, and it was that Minnesota game. Um, they were you know, booing him in the game. Yeah, they were, they were booing, booing him, um, and 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 they put it together. They found a way to win, and and the team really never. They found their identity, and the team never looked back. And I do think you know, in this shortened season, two games in after a tough start to the season, an zero and two start to the season, you know, an Indiana team that maybe was comparable to that Pittsburgh team that year, an Ohio State team that was maybe uh, we weren't embarrassed like we were at Michigan, but it was still. Uh, it was a convincing loss in a lot of respects. You know, this is our chance to sort of, you know, put our foot in the ground, draw the line in the sand, and show that uh, this team uh, can discover its identity. And Maryland's going to be a team that I think um, that gives us a game 
um, unless they unless they collapse, I think they're going to give us a game, and we'll have a good uh, litmus test as to whether we can discover our identity. Yeah, I agree. I agree that the, the parallels are definitely there, and and you really hope that they can, you know, see that as a team, be like, hey, this has been done before, and and we we shouldn't be given up yet. <clears throat> So, because because Talia does 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 um, pose some some threats as a as a you know he was a highly sought after recruit um, particularly with the um, you know the, he's he is his brother's brother you know and Tua was a stud in college and and it seemed like Talia would have the opportunity to be very much like his brother in a lot of respects so you know the pedigree's there and and we got to play this kid straight up and 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 be prepared for a dynamic. Uh, passer and runner uh, in the in the offense for Maryland, so got to come ready to play right at the gate, or else you know you give the, you give this kid some momentum. And you, everybody on that Maryland team starts believing, and you know it starts snowballing for Penn State. So you got to show up to play from the first you know kick of the game. Yeah, I mean normally I think we do like a keys to the game kind of thing, and um, you know right now I think between uh, must win game, must win game. Yeah, but but like the keys to the game, you know, how do we actually make the win happen? I would just say like it it's I don't feel like that's as important. Number one, the opponent that we're having is one that on the on paper we should be able to handle. So it's really more about what Penn State does and, and can we do the things that we have been expecting out of Penn State uh, from the start of the season and avoid the the mistakes. So, you know, just keeping it simple, right? Um, getting the run game going, uh, doing doing the things on defense that we need to do, getting off the field on third down. Um, you gotta you gotta just do your job, right? Yeah, I mean, play a clean game. Don't don't you know uh, shoot yourself in the foot with with needless penalties. Um, you know, late hits out of bounds. That's silly. You know, don't don't do that. Don't don't allow drives for your opponents to continue versus you know, when you have mental mistakes and you break down and and make foolish errors like you're going to beat yourself against the team that's inferior and it's just you just so play clean play within yourself don't beat yourself that's those are simple too doing your job just simple you know from where i'm sitting it's even more simple these guys just you know they they practice and and i just get to talk <laughs> so but but really that that's that's what football is though you know like play a clean game if you are those the superior talent you should be able to play a clean game and and come away with a with a decisive victory. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking for I'm not expecting that. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to see some now hopefully again Penn State doesn't like rest on their laurels, play down to the competition so called and, and allow Maryland to stay in the game. I think we need to Do we have any laurels to rest on? I don't think we have many laurels. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, not this year. So Clifford came out and said, you know, I've never been like if you're not motivated at 0 and two to come to work this week and get ready for the Maryland game, then I don't want you on this team. I don't want you on the sideline. Like we don't want you here if you're not motivated to come and play your hardest you know, pra- practice your hardest this week to prepare for the, for the next the next game. Like, yeah, and I saw that as well, and that was encouraging to me. That you know, he's. Ex- I mean, there's a there's a little bit of a defiance there, right? The rebellion lives on hope and also hard work, right? You know, so um, if if Sean Clifford's going to be our Luke Skywalker, it, it you know he's going to have to have a bit of that rebel attitude, you know, um, devil may care kind of attitude, and just kind of go after it and grit his teeth and and put in the work, and then come in, you know, hopefully 
on Saturday, what we haven't seen yet from this Penn State team is to come out, you know, with your hair on fire and just, you know, play within yourself, but play aggressive, play hard, play clean. Um, and, and maybe we'll see maybe we'll see the, the Penn State team that we've been hoping to see all season. Yeah, I want to see the run defense get going for sure, too. Um, yeah, that's that like it's one thing to see our, our zone coverage get beat time and time again. But we could always, you know, we could always count on our run defense to be stout and just play lights out and bottle them up and get tackles for losses and, you know, get sacks and get after the quarterback. So I want to see that kind of stuff get going from the defense, you know, to make up for some of the larger uh, coverage, blown coverage situations that we've been seeing. Because I'm not yeah, sure those are going to get fixed. In, uh, between. Let's get Devin Ford going on offense. Let's get uh, the the young receivers involved. Let's get Pat Fryermuth taking over the game. Um, yeah, I'd love to see all of that stuff. Um, the game is on Big Ten Network. It's at three thirty this afternoon. Uh, this afternoon, I'm already I'm already watching the Penn State game in my head, <laughs> but um, I'm looking forward to it. I am. Um, 3.30 on Saturday. Uh, it'll be on Big Ten Network, and I'll be looking forward to a good game. Um, Tom, we're going to wrap up this podcast, but but do you have any closing thoughts today? I, you know, I am, I'm a, I'm been skeptical been growing more and more skeptical of the team um in the in the last couple of weeks and that's not typically my um my stance i'm a i'm a optimistic person with this team but i do i still am the optimistic person within my friend penn state fan friend circle so i'm gonna i'm gonna remain optimistic here um i'm i'm thinking you know i, I i'm not gonna hmm. i'm gonna say penn state puts together a much 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 more complete performance against Maryland and and I'm going to I'm going to say they they get it together and they 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 show promise for the for the rest of the season moving forward against Maryland and I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout but I I I look look to us to win like maybe you know like 32 to 14 thir- I'm sorry 31 or 35 to 14 kind of kind of like I just what's where it feels right right now like we we, we probably still have a couple of issues, but they're not glaring and they don't, they don't ruin our chances to, to seem like we have a, a much more complete performance against an inferior opponent. And I don't think Maryland um, ultimately has the dogs to, to run with us. So Talia, you know, maybe he shows flashes here and there and it imposes issues for us. Maybe he runs for a hundred yards and throws for 250 yards, but they, but I think our defense clamps down. And, and makes plays and maybe get some more turnovers. You know, uh, that's one thing we haven't really seen a ton of yet is, is turnovers. And um, especially against o- Ohio state, did we have any turnovers against them? I don't think we did. I don't think so. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I look for our defense to get a little more uh, opportunistic Yeah. against, um, against Maryland. You know, in terms of predictions, I, I, I guess I'm not sure how I feel about predictions. But, you know, I think for the offense, I'd like to see a score in the high 30s to low 40s. For the defense, I'd like to see him hold uh, Maryland under 20. Um, and I think to get that kind of a game for me would feel like some things have been coming together on both sides of the ball. I think if it's closer than that um, and we're able to, to – um, 
to get the win in a, in a fashion that shows the team has come together, even like a Minnesota-type game where, you know, it's like it, you struggled through the whole game, but you finally came together in the end. That would be okay with me too. But, um, you know, I guess we'll just have to, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, I would just, again, I want to classic wait and see comment. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, I mean, it's hard to know. It's hard to know what you have right now with this team. And it's hard to know what to expect. So again, for me, I'm going to try to live in that sense of, of sort of being grateful for the chance to watch Penn State football, um, looking for some of those positive things that come out of the fact that they're playing football. And I just want to, you know, I want to encourage um, anyone who's listening in the Penn State fan base just to keep the faith. You know, we've got uh, we've got a great opportunity uh, to play and watch Penn State football. We've got s- some really good pieces of the puzzle, even if they're not coming together this year. Don't forget the difficult scenario we have, the difficult circumstances. Just be, like, continue to be grateful. Keep the faith. Um, and, and I that do. We can add in George Michael. Uh, you got to have faith. Again, I don't think we're getting rights for for these for the songs. It. But load it up. Add it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe ask, it's much better, much easier to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. Except when you're getting sued. Uh, uh, we have no money. They can't get us for anything. Uh-huh. Good point. <laughs> anyway, all that to say, um, you know, this was, uh, this was the silver... George suing Penn State podcast. <laughs> this was the Silver Linings Playbook episode. We're tr- trying to keep on the silver linings, uh, even while we criticize the playbook. Because you gotta have faith. <laughs> <laughs> so, Thanks, George. Uh, Thanks for letting us use that. <laughs> yeah, man. I uh, appreciate the conversation today, Tom. And, um, you know, as James Franklin reminds his team every game, it starts, it starts with, I, with love I, you, I love you. And it ends with I love you. Love you, bro. Uh, keep the faith. Uh, looking forward to Gotta a fun faith. game uh, this Saturday, 3.30 p.m. And uh, for all of our listeners, we'll see you uh, early next them. week. All three of them now. Uh, uh, See you early next week. Penn State. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 